Good morning, everybody. Welcome out to River Ridge. Welcome to those that are joining us online. I, I love the humor of our staff. That, those are really funny puns. Those are great. Hey, uh, before we dive into God's Word, we're going to be in, in Romans chapter 7. If you want to dive in there, let me pray for us as we get started. Uh, Father, we, we are so thankful that we have already met with you, that you are a personal God who longs to meet with his people. Uh, God, we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Spirit, remove the distractions of life so that we can tune in to what you have to say to us. Um, God, challenge us, change us, give us the courage to chase after you with our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you were to walk around our house, you would see a shrine to unfinished projects. If you walk down our hallway, you'd see a closet door that fell out of the track that still hasn't gone back in. The kitchen faucet won't quite latch properly. The workbench that I'm going to clean up one of these days. Uh, the, the, the siding that was melted in our back patio because we got a little bit too close with our grill. Uh, you, you would see bookshelves that are lined with half-read books that I plan to get to someday. And whether it's time or the know-how or any number of really valid reasons for why I've not finished some of these things, these unfinished projects around my house are a testament to me not following through on the intentions that I had to change some things. And I look at my life and it's littered with things that I started but that I didn't finish. And I raise that issue with finishing because the book of Romans is going to raise a very similar question for us today. But it's not completion of household projects. It's God's completion of us, of our character and our lives. We're in the middle of this series where we're looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the first century believers that lived in Rome. Where for the first four chapters, he's clearly presented what the Christian gospel is all about, all about. And in short, that it's by God's grace that he created a way where there was no way. Where he took on our sins, gave us his holiness, so that we can stand in a right relationship with him when we place our faith in Jesus. So for the first four chapters, Paul over and over again is reminding us of our need for a savior and the plan that God has. But then beginning in chapter 5, Paul moves into describing what a growing Christian life looks like. How God is continuing to work on us. That God is continuing to finish the project, us, that he started with our salvation. So for the past couple of weeks, we've seen some of the promises and, and some of the, the blessings that God has given us to help us look more like Christ. That we have peace with God. That we have access to his presence in our lives. That we have a greater hope for what awaits us in eternity. So, so with all of these promises, with all these blessings that God has given us, do you ever wonder why you don't see more improvements in your own life? Why there are still some lingering temptations in your life? Maybe you can resonate with my life. When, when I first came to Christ, everything just seemed to, to go towards the better. And almost immediately, I, I felt this joy of the forgiveness that God has given me. I, I, I felt peace and I knew that God loved me. I had hope and I, and I understood and, and had happiness and the fact that God had a plan and a purpose for my life and I was seeing change in my life. But after a while, my joy started to shrink a little bit and following Jesus seemed like it was more of a struggle. Old habits started rearing 
their head back up in my life and I began to feel this familiar tug back to an old way of life and I tried to push it down but it just kept popping back up in my life and then I started getting disillusioned. I started getting disappointed with this junk that remained in my life. I mean, I thought I was done with all that. I thought I was in God's grace, so what's wrong with me? Why is this stuff still hanging around? I want to do what's right, but I can't seem to change. If you've ever felt that way, then you are in the right place this Sunday because you're not the only one who's experienced that. In fact, every believer has experienced that very same feeling in their life. Paul himself, the, the most influential Christian leader who ever lived, experienced this internal struggle, this internal struggle about wanting to do what's right, but finding ourselves falling back into these old habits. And it's recorded in Romans chapter 7. And if you and I can grasp what the Apostle Paul is teaching here this morning, it's going to save us an awful lot of heartache as we try to make our way through life and cooperate with God as he's trying to change our lives. So to start off, I want to lay out for us what the cause of that internal struggle is. Scripture speaks very clearly about this fact that we as Christians will have a lifelong battle between two natures that dwell within us. There is a new nature that God gave us when we became a Christian. And this new me, this real me, this new nature inside of me wants to do what's right. It wants to please God. It wants to live for God. But also still have my old nature. I also have this sin nature that still lives inside of me. It wants to chase after pleasure. It wants to chase after convenience. It wants to chase after comfort. When you became a Christian, this old self doesn't go away. And in fact, it doesn't really lose a lot of its power. Paul describes it in another letter in Galatians. He describes it this way. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do what you want. These two selves, these two natures that live inside of us are working against each other. It's almost like we have two me's inside of us. There's a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde, and your old nature will never change. And as long as you live on this earth, you're going to battle against sin for your entire life. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Don't you feel encouraged? But we have to learn. What we have to do is learn how do we engage in this lifelong struggle so that we see more victory than defeat in our lives. Well, Romans chapter 7 is going to give us a portrait of what this civil war inside of us looks like. What it looks like inside of a struggling Christian. And it's Paul's autobiography and he opens up the curtain and he gives us a glimpse into the battle that he has with sin in his life and and I don't know about you but it's comforting for me to know that my struggles are not isolated to just me that this is a normal experience as we try to chase after God in our lives and if you read through Romans chapter 7 the, the key word to hone in on is the word I the word I is used 27 times in 12 verses and and Paul is recognizing that he has an eye problem. And we have an eye problem in our lives. The problem is that I try to do it all my way, in my own strength, and it causes me to fail. Romans 7 is about a, a defeated Christian life that is trying to please God. 
is trying to honor God just by our own strength and our own willpower. And going down that road, it just leaves us emotionally exhausted. So what Paul's going to do here at the very beginning of this passage is he's going to give us some characteristics of what this struggle looks like and the emotional cost of what it looks like in our lives as we try to please God with our own strength. He picks up in verse 15. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, then this shows me that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I mean, you can almost hear the pain in Paul's voice. You can hear the exhaustion in Paul's voice. There's no pretending. He's not acting like he's got it all together. There's no hypocrisy. He's real and he's raw. And Paul wants us to feel that same kind of emotion with this struggle that we are going to have with sin in our lives. Paul's confused about what's happening in his life. And I would say that, that that's the first characteristic that we are going to experience in our lives. If we are trying to chase after God with only our own strength, it's that we have confusion. Paul says, I don't understand myself. I mean, again, remember, this is coming from Paul. This is not some novice believer. This is a mature apostle. And yet he says there are times that he can't figure it out. He says, I, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And I don't know why. I, I have the greatest of intentions to see change in my life, but it just seems like nothing is changing. You ever feel like that in your own life? That there are days when you wake up and you have these good intentions. You have this desire to, to change something in your life that's just frustrating you. And you think, you know, today's going to be different. I, I know I shouldn't eat this, drink this, say that, look at that. And you have all these intentions of seeing change in your life. But then you get to the end of the day and nothing really changed. You, you found yourself falling into the same trap. You, you fell into to the same rut. The anger was still there. The, the lust was still there. And Paul says, I've been there too. Listen, we, we've all had times in our lives where we've been willing and we wanted to do the right thing, but it just seemed like we didn't have the power to do it and just causes this confusion. And Paul says, beyond confusion, there's an inability to change. He says, I, I know it's wrong it, and I hate that I do it, but it's like I'm not even the one that's in control he says that it's sin that's living inside of me. And Paul's not making excuses. He, he's simply recognizing that there is still an old nature inside of him that likes to sin, that enjoys sin, that resists God's change in his life. And when we want to see change in our lives, when we want to please God, but we keep falling back into defeat, it's confusing. I mean, it's frustrating. We kind of get to these points where we begin to wonder, is there ever really going to be lasting change in my life? And that leads to the second characteristic. When we don't know how to fight this battle that's inside of us, and we just try to do it in our own strength, it leads to self-condemnation. We, we start putting ourselves down. And some of us are really good at this. We, we have this inner dialogue that is just full of self-loathing and self-defeating and negative language. Look at how Paul describes it. In his own life, in verses 18 and 19, he says, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Paul says here at the beginning, I, I, there's nothing good in me. 
Who was it that told him that? Paul's telling it to himself. He's putting himself down because he keeps having these repeated failures and these lingering defeats in his life. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I do in my life. I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years now, and sometimes I look at my life and I get really discouraged. Like, why is there still so much pride in my life? Why is it so hard for me to let go of control? Why do I have all this self-control issues? Why are there still intrusive thoughts that enter into my head that I can't seem to shake? Why is my anger still there? Why, do I, why am I still short-tempered with my kids? Why is it still such a struggle for me to believe the best about someone? And we can easily move in his language like Paul and go, I'm no good. I, I'm worthless. I'm so stupid for falling into the same trap and doing the same thing over and over again. I'm disappointed with myself. Surely God's disappointed with me too. If you find yourself in one of those inner dialogues, it's a sign that you are in the middle of a spiritual struggle and the confusion and the frustration and the self-condemnation are just proof that you are trying to change only in your own power. And that leads to the last characteristic of this self-fought battle. It's desperation. If you stay in that vicious cycle of confusion and frustration and self-condemnation long enough, eventually you just throw your hands up in the air and you say, I give up. I, I've tried all that I can do. I, I guess I'm never really going to see change in my life. And you feel hopeless. And you feel trapped. Listen to how Paul found this discovery in his life in verse 21. He says, I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Paul says there's this principle of life. Scripture defines it as as the law of sin in our lives. This law of sin can almost be thought of as the spiritual counterpart to the law of gravity. They both pull you down. The the law of gravity makes climbing or or progress hard to do in our lives. It weighs us down, it pulls us down, and sin does the same thing. It keeps wanting to keep you where you are. It keeps you from being able to make the right choice and to do the right thing. So think about this. Let's say that I wake up one day and like, you know what? I'm going to ignore the law of gravity. And I'm going to fly. And I strap wings on my arms. And I flap my arms as hard as I can. I'm not going to get off the ground. Because the law of gravity is stronger than my ability to fly. And in the same way, when I try to do the right thing, when I try to change something in my life by sheer willpower alone, I'm just flapping my wings, trying to make change in my life, and I'm not going to get off the ground. Now, I may see some temporary change in my life. I, I may see a, a small change of patience towards my kids. I, I may see a, a, a little bit of victory over an addiction of my life, but at some point... The willpower wanes, and I get tired, and I stop flapping, and I go right back to where I was. You're not going to beat the law of gravity physically by flapping your arms, and you're not going to beat the law of sin spiritually by willpower alone. That, that's the point that Paul is making, and if you try, 
If you go through life and just try to gut it out by willpower alone, Paul says this is what it's going to get you. You're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel trapped. You're going to feel defeated. You're going to have this desperate feeling in your life and feel like a failure. Paul brings us into a struggle. He says that the end of this self-fought battle is nothing but discouragement. It's nothing but desperation. A believer who tries to please God in his or her own strength will always come to the, to the inevitable outcome of feeling disheartened and this aching frustration. Always. So look at how Paul says it in verse 24. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul comes to the end of his rope, and he's, he's desperate. He's worn out from exhaustion, from trying to change on his own. He, he's been fighting this battle for so long on his own, and he finally cries out and says, God, I, God, I, I can't change on my own power. Who will rescue me from this? And notice that Paul recognizes that it's not more willpower. He, he, there's nothing inside of him that can free him from this. Somebody must come and rescue me. In the midst of this ongoing struggle with sin, Paul reminds himself of the gospel message that the same power that saved him is the power that will change him. And after reminding himself of the presence of Christ in his life, he reminds himself and he reminds us that even in the midst of struggling with sin, in Romans 8, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There is now no condemnation. This is huge for us to understand. That now, in the present, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation means that God doesn't judge you for the ongoing struggle with sin in your life. Jesus took every past, every present, every future sin in your life. God knows that you're still going to struggle with sin. He says there's still no condemnation for that. God knows that you're going to make mistakes. God knows that you're going to still make some stupid, self-centered decisions. But there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God is not giving up on you. He is going to finish what he started. And what this says is that you don't have to walk around with guilt and shame as you struggle to overcome sin in your life. This is a reminder that there is nothing that you can do right now that would make God love you any more than he currently does. And it also means that there's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any less than he does right now. You are completely loved. You are totally accepted by God even on your worst day. Let that sink in. Even on your worst day, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So get back up. Cooperate with what God is doing in your life because he says he has given you this life-giving spirit to lead and to guide your life towards the full life that you want. He's going to, the spirit that lives inside of you is going to empower you to live an obedient life, to chase after him. Because I'm a believer, I, I have a new power available to me that is greater than willpower. And the key to seeing growth 
in our lives, the, the key to seeing change in our lives, the, the cure to the struggle that we're in is I must rely on the Spirit's strength in me, that it's not my willpower that does it. The Christian life is not gradual self-improvement. It is fellowship with the Spirit. The Christian life is not gradual self-improvement. It is fellowship with the Spirit. And to the extent that we are following the Spirit, He will always lead us to an obedient life. He will always lead us to a full life, to a flourishing life. And we will experience the fruit of His presence in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives, the fruit of following after Him is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. See, when I let Jesus live his life through me, through the power of the Spirit, then love will come out of me. When I let Jesus live his life through me, joy will come out of me. But when I let Jesus live his life through me, peace will be evident. The Holy Spirit is the counterbalance to the law of sin in our lives. So that principle of life that Paul was talking about. This gravity that pulls us down and resists following after God. And if you read chapter 8, you see what a spirit-led life looks like. When you read chapter 8, you see a man that is totally opposite of what you see in Romans chapter 7. You see a man that's just cruising through life. Victorious in life. He's not under any condemnation. He knows that all things work together for good. He knows that nothing can separate me from the love of God. He knows that if God is for me, who can be against me? He knows that the Holy Spirit is praying for him and interceding on his weakest day. And he knows that God loves him. That God accepts him. That he is going to bend everything to shape his life to look more like his Savior. Paul, in chapter 8, is a man that's on top of the world. Because he has recognized that you don't live the Christian life in your own power. Intentions and willpower are not enough. It is only God's Spirit and the power of the Spirit in our lives that allows us to overcome these old tendencies, these old habits, these old desires in our life. And Paul was experiencing the joy of living the life of Christ through the power of the Spirit. The point of Romans 7 is not that Christians live in continual defeat, but rather that no Christian lives in continual victory over sin. And, and during those times, those moments when we are struggling, Romans 7 is the way that a healthy Christian should respond. We should look at our lives and say, I love the law of God. I, I want to do what's right. I, I, I want to please God with my life, and I hate what I just did. I, I don't want to stay here. And I acknowledge that I need something greater than my willpower to fight this sin. I, I need the Spirit's leading in my life. That, that is how we begin to overcome the power of sin in our lives. One of the most important lessons that you can ever learn is that you can't live this Christian life in your own power. So give up trying to do that. It just leads to desperation, just leads to frustration and confusion. And instead begin to lean into this power that's available to you. The biggest struggle that you and I have in life, it's not external. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. Th those things can be factors in life, but the real issue, it's in here. 
It's this indwelling sin that Paul is talking about, this old nature that I can't overcome on my own. And then if I don't feed into the power of the Spirit, my life is just going to go down a similar direction that it has. We fight this battle every single day on the turfs, on the turf of our hearts. And you're not going to escape it ever until Jesus comes. The only way to win is to let the Spirit do His work in your life. So what does that look like? How, how do we actually do that? I want to give us a, a couple really quick handles on what it means to actually lean into the power of the Spirit in our lives. The first is this, that we need to daily surrender our wills to God. That we need to begin the day with this prayer of surrender. That we come before God and say, God help me today. Give me the humility to see that I need your help today. God forgive me for this presumption that I have in my life that I can actually overcome some of this stuff just by my own strength and effort. Give me the humility to receive your help in my life. And Spirit, I'm submitting my will to yours. You lead, I'll follow. And then we walk through this life, through this day, with this continual prayer, just moment by moment, talking to Jesus, praying, saying, Jesus, what would you do in this situation? I'm going to submit my will to yours. How would you respond? What would you say? What would you think in this moment right now? And then you're available to hear and respond and change. And then the second thing is to continually remind ourselves that we fight from a place of victory. Like Paul, we need to keep going back to the truth of the gospel. The struggle that we are going through is just a temporary setback. That my relationship with God is secured. That the spirit of God is at work in my life right now. And that changes everything. Because now I have a different perspective. When this fight comes my way, now I can fight knowing that I'm loved, knowing that I'm accepted, knowing that even right now there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that means that even if I'm struggling with some sin, that that struggle is not the end of my story. That, that the Spirit is in within me, and because He is, I know ultimately that will end in victory. And while I recognize that there is still indwelling sin in me and while I recognize that that old self is going to battle against the work that God wants to do in my life I know that the old me is not the real me and that the new nature will eventually and ultimately become the, the enduring me the eternal me victory's already won and, and as you continue to step into that as you continue to believe that what you'll find is that Sin doesn't taste as good as it used to. That it doesn't satisfy as much as it used to. And you'll stay in the game and you'll continue to let God work on you and work on your heart and work on your character. And the third thing we can do is admit your struggle to another. One of the tools that God gives us to gain traction over some of these indwelling struggles in our lives is other people. We, we need community with other believers for all kinds of of reasons for belonging and for fellowship and for encouragement. But God says one of the other reasons why we need to have other people in our lives is so that we can gain healing when we admit our struggles with somebody else. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. You don't have to tell or confess your struggles to everyone. 
but you need to have someone who's going to love you unconditionally, who's going to accept you right where you're at, who's going to pray for you. You need somebody who's going to go into battle with you that, that you can be honest with. They can just say, I just need to let you know that I'm struggling with this. And when you do that, when you confess that struggle to someone else, it's almost like this relief valve gets opened up. And oftentimes what you find is that after you have given words to it, that this struggle doesn't seem quite as big now that it's out in the open. We're going to be wrestling with sin and this old nature of ours for the rest of our lives. And this whole chapter, Paul is saying, this battle is real. Don't ignore it. And victory is found when you treasure Jesus and you rely on the Spirit. Jesus took away all the condemnation. And the Spirit will lead us to obedience. And the full life that Jesus promised and the full life and the flourishing life that we want Resolutions are fine. Intentions are a good start. But they will only take you so far. And then you've got to have the Spirit empowering your life. He's available. He's, he's willing. And He wants to guide you toward God's plan for your life. Let's cooperate with Him. Let me pray for us. Father, we admit that a lot of us are stuck. We had hoped that we would be further along in overcoming some of these old habits. But God, you remind us today that that doesn't surprise you. That we have these two natures inside of us. And the old nature is in conflict with what you want to do in our lives. God, thank you for the reminder that even in the middle of those struggles that right now, today, there is now no condemnation that we're still loved, that we're still accepted, even during the struggle, even on our worst days. And God, thank you that you're not finished with me yet, that you still have a plan that you are still shaping my life to look more like Jesus. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit within us, a power source that's greater than our willpower, and he will lead us and he will guide us to a life that is full of love and joy and peace. Thank you that you have given us a church family that can support us, God, give us humility to see our need for help. Give us the courage to accept that help. God, give us the boldness and the strength to cooperate with you as you continue to change and to finish what you started. God, we are confident that you who began a good work in us will complete it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out, everybody. For those of you that serve around here in some capacity, go grab you a bag of nachos, and we'll see you back here next week. Have a good one, guys.